0: at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Welcome tonight. We're so glad that you are here with us to uh, celebrate Christmas. So I want to say Merry Christmas to you all. Get myself up here in the front. <laughs> Merry Christmas again, thank you for coming, thank you, it's good that you're here, and uh, we're going to sing a few more people in, as we say, Uh, but before we do that, we'll have uh, an opening prayer, I want to thank Naomi for providing some music there at the beginning, welcome to those of you who are online as well, there are a few of you there, and uh, if you couldn't make it out this evening, we're glad that you're able to watch on the computer, join me in prayer if you would please. Father, you know why we're here tonight, because we want to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. He is worthy above all to receive honor and glory and blessing and power, for he came and offered himself to redeem our souls to God. This great humiliation that he experienced is beyond anything that we could imagine, although we read about it in Holy Writ. Yet to think of the vast glory being set aside that he might take the form of a slave, and lower than a slave, even as a common criminal, to be hung upon a cross, tortured, and die for our sins. That all began in Nazareth and then in Bethlehem when he was born, so that he might be the Savior of the world. We thank you for this, our our Father, and pray that you will be pleased, and he too with our worship tonight in song and in the word and special music and Christmas testimonies as well. Bless your people as we gather, those who are not able to be with us in person, that they would be able to enjoy there at home where they are. And if there are any others that are on their way tonight, we pray you'd grant them safe passage to this place to join us in worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn our hymnals to 189, please. call to worship song is very common in this uh, season and at the beginning of a service, I would think. Oh, come, all ye faithful. We'll sing together all three verses with Naomi's help and also John. Thank you for participating with the trumpet. It was nice to to hear that uh trumpet uh duet, wasn't it? Wasn't it nice? Yeah, it was super. So he'll be joining uh, and accompanying us as well. 189, O come all ye faithful. Let you uh, stay seated on this one, okay? Alternate a couple of times between hymns and a scripture reading. So I'm going to turn my Bible to Luke chapter uh, 2 right now and share with you a reading out of scripture. We'll have a couple more of these as well as some hymns. And uh, in a few moments, um, I'd like to ask if any of you would like to share a Christmas testimony uh, to the church family here. We'd love to have you share that with us in a few moments. We'll give time for that after our next reading. In Luke chapter 2, after the annunciation of the birth of, well, John the Baptist and then also Jesus and the naming, uh, the birth actually of John and the naming of John and Zacharias' prophecy and Mary's statement called the Magnificat, chapter 2 comes and Luke records this, these events in history. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day, in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Let's turn to 232, please, in our hymnal. Away in a Manger, 232. together.
1: Look down from the sky and stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. And verse three, be near me, Lord Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by.
0: That's for the children, but does good for all of our souls, doesn't it? Yes. All right, I'm going to read now from Matthew chapter two. Matthew chapter two. Matthew two one through twelve, and then we'll pick up later here this evening in the rest of the chapter. It says, "Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem." Just to give you a little sense of this, probably not like the night of his birth. It's probably some months, perhaps even afterwards, weeks at least, months maybe. And they saw uh, something and they wanted to come and find out what it was about. And they said this in verse 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So they were in the east. They said, we saw the star there we've followed this star, we want to find out what it's all about. They had some history and tradition, perhaps from Daniel the prophet and others who gave them some information about this great event that would occur. And it says in verse 3, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. So it seems the star appeared at the birth. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Now, you know, they didn't have the the benefit of hindsight like we do. They didn't know that he was lying when he said that. Okay, so they had to be informed some other way. We'll see about that. So they it says, verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, now they're in a house, not in a a manger, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's the first Christmas gifts, I would say, uh, in terms of material things. Then being divinely warned in a dream, there it is, that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. And thus God the Father sovereignly providentially protecting his son from those who would destroy him. Christmas testimonies, my friends. Now is the time that we've set aside in our in our program for that. And uh, David, I wonder if you could help me out with the sound system there. Uh, just run uh, slider number 11 up and unmute that and then bring us the uh, hand mic there. Appreciate that. Short staff tonight, so we just do what we have to do, you know? Thank you, David. If you could just turn that on and get it to the green. First button there, just press and hold until you get the green light, and then you'll be good. Who has a Christmas testimony that they would like to share with us? I know somebody's got to have something. Mike, go ahead, and I'll get that mic to you.
2: Well, my testimony is pretty simple in that Pleased that we are here tonight, meaning my wife with me.
0: <laughs> yep, yeah, it's good. Yep. Don't be Mike. Don't have Mike fright now, Mike. No, I don't. <laughs> and uh,
2: my wife had a very pleasant Christmas so far, baking and just not doing all the running around and stress that she has experienced in past years and just took it kind of easy and coasted along and she's enjoying the, the Christmas season which gives us more focus on your star that yeah. you're wearing pastor that's right right there on the things <laughs> yeah. of Christmas what this all means Yeah. You know, why we're here why the Lord came I used that term the other day with somebody maybe Wednesday night I said yeah. Think that that was so profound that the Lord yes. would come here in in man—it's man, the God Man. Yeah. Wow! Yeah. So we we are blessed. We're truly blessed as people, and we need to protect those blessings and those freedoms that we have to worship Him in a place like this and be grateful for it.
0: We've been the benefactors of some of Susan's baking. We had some tonight, actually, for after our dinner. Stacy and uh, and uh, Crystal participated with us and enjoyed that. So that was wonderful. Thank you. Does anyone else have a testimony? Oh, Becky. Okay. <laughs> right, Handy. <laughs>
3: I was just trying to count back in my mind, and. I just want to praise the Lord for 38 years at Fellowship Bible Church. Mm. From when my daughter was a little infant and we were meeting at Forsyth School. Yes. It, y'all are my family. <laughs> and I just am so, so thankful for the fellowship and the love even people that you don't know super well, if they're a believer, there's a connection there. Yep. And I just praise the Lord for the privilege to worship Him
0: with this body of believers. Mm-hmm. That is a that's a blessing. Very nice testimony. Forty years, I think our church. Forty years old the church is now, and uh, this would be our fortieth. Christmas Eve service. I don't think we've missed one. We didn't miss one last year. We had the service last year, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah. Anybody else? Stacy.
3: You know I'm very frightful of these things, but... You do just fine. We can't <laughs> tell. Uh, just that I, I feel, like, so thankful and grateful to God to be able to be here with other believers, to be um, so warmly invited uh, for dinner and to be just um, able to be here without masks with people who are unafraid and who are here well of course there are some people that are wearing masks I shouldn't I don't, wanna, I don't mean to be um, saying anything against that but I just feel like that we're out here and we're together and we're not fearful and it's a real blessing and I pray for more and more of that. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Many of you know that Stacy had a real health uh, scare this year, Mm -hmm. so when she says she's glad to be here, she really means that she's (laughs) glad to be here.
3: (laughs) Yes, I am. Very blessed. The Lord's been so good to me and with me through everything and provided me with uh, other believers and people to support me unbelievably this year. um, I just couldn't be, I'm very happy. Amen. You know that?
0: We do now. <laughs> yes, Crystal.
4: Yeah, I guess since two ladies besides me already share, I'm um, feel kind of um, obligated to share <laughs> too. Yeah, I, I'm really grateful uh, for um, God's provision for this church. Since I'm still kind of new in Ann number, uh, but I do feel like this is like my spiritual home. Since the moment I stepped in, and also I really, I'm really thankful for the precious work. Because last night I was sharing um, just uh, the one verse with an unbelieving uh, formal colleague uh, in Taiwan. Uh, he has this uh, long-term anxiety and the depression. But I'm really grateful that I have this opportunity, which is Christmas, to tell him that the, the peace we receive uh, from the Lord is nothing like uh, the one we can obtain from this word. And then uh, I... I encourage him to just uh, read the word and to try to uh, understand the word and to, uh, pray to God uh, in the end he texts me saying uh, amen so i uh, I mean I haven't got the opportunity to follow up with him but I'm really grateful that the peace we receive from the word uh, from the Lord is really different from the word
0: amen mm-hmm. amen is there anyone else who would like to share a testimony tonight Maybe?
5: Yeah, Uh, you sure can.
0: David, um, could you put up number two, please, on the soundboard there?
5: Before I say this one, I just uh, was so blessed um, uh, listening to uh, some of the selections from Handel's Messiah earlier and just um, had such a joy to hear the scripture sung in that way. But this is um, one of my favorite uh, verses that I think of with Christmas. Um, and it 's uh, second corinthians well, this is not a it 's not in the context about Christmas, but it is a wonderful thing to think about at Christmas second Corinthians chapter eight verse nine says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty, might become rich and so just an amazing thing to think about that he left uh his glory in heaven where, you know, he had all riches and took upon himself, was born into a poor family, so poor that they couldn't even offer the uh, the standard offering, I guess. Maybe that's not the right way to say it, but they had to offer the, you know, the turtle doves. And um, so he took that on for us so that we could have the, the riches of God's forgiveness and, and mercy. And I just, I always love that verse.
0: Mm. Very good. Thank you, David. Anybody else? Thank you, Naomi, for that. Anybody else have a testimony? All right. Let me continue reading then in Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 13. Remember, the uh, wise men were warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod. They left another way. And then the Scripture says in verse 13, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, Saying, "'Arise, take the young child and his mother. "'Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, "'for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. "'When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night "'and departed for Egypt, "'and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, "'which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, "'Out of Egypt I called my son.' "'Then Herod, when he, was, when he saw rather that he was deceived by the wise men, "'was exceedingly angry.' And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel, weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are. No more. Now, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the young child's life are dead. Very ironic that the one whose life was sought was alive, and the ones who sought his life were dead. Then he arose, took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea instead of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned by God in a dream, he turned aside into the region of Galilee. That's to the far north, if you know the geography. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene, a Nazarene. Let's take our hymnals one more time, and this time let's uh, stand if you are able to do so, and we'll turn to 227. Hark, the herald angels sing. 227. Let's all stand as we sing here this uh, last hymn before our special music and then Bible message. so much. You may be seated. We're going to have a special music number now by Naomi, and then I'll share a message from the scriptures. going back to Luke's gospel in chapter 2 to share uh, some thoughts with you this evening and the moments we have remaining on a, an, a notion, an idea that the text raises for us in verse number 19. And it might seem to, be, to you to be an unlikely place to draw a message about Christmas from, but it struck me this week as I thought about what to share with you tonight. And the verse is simply this, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, to really grasp this, we have to understand the context that we read from Luke 2, 1 through 20, as well as all of the previous chapter. We haven't had time to do that because I think chapter 1 is like 80 verses. And I would encourage you to read that along with chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1 and 2 sometime over this holiday weekend and really think about the kinds of things that Mary was thinking about. But I want to try to highlight them in a few moments this evening. And I'm going to do that by also referring you to a later verse in Luke uh, in chapter 2 and verse number 51 in which it says this, "...then he went down with them and came to Nazareth." This is when Jesus was older. He was 12 And was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. Now, in addition to these two verses, there are a couple of others that have to do with this. One is in Luke 235, where Simeon is speaking to the parents and turns specifically to Mary, and he says to Mary, Uh, speaking about Jesus, that he's set for the rising and falling of many in Israel, and he he says this, Yes, and a sword will pierce your own soul also. Speaking of the love of a mother for her son and how she would be crushed when, in John 19.25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene, so my focus this evening is on this idea that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And my goal is to help you to do the same and really think deeply about the meaning of Christmas. Uh, to do that, again, I want to share with you what's the, what is the idea of this keeping or pondering in your heart. Um, in, in Genesis chapter 37, don't turn there, But you remember in Genesis 37 to 50 is the story of Joseph. And Joseph, um, you remember he was sold as a slave and ended up going to Egypt and then rising to a place of great prominence in Egypt. But before that happened, he had a couple of dreams. And he told his father and his mother and his brothers about this dream, these dreams that he had. And the dreams were basically that mother and father and my brothers are going to bow down to me. There was the figure of the sheaves of grain in the field that arose and bowed down to, to Joseph's sheaf, and then there were the, the sun and the moon and the stars that did the same. And, of course, his brothers hated him all the more, right, for this. They couldn't take it. He was, you know, He was 17 years old at the time, and he was just a punk kid, you know and they couldn't stand him because his, he was his father's favorite, and he had the coat of many colors. He had that symbol of just, you know, favoritism from his dad, and, and they, just, they just couldn't stand it. So they ended up, you know, getting rid of him. But even his father, it said, of his father, it says this in Genesis thirty-seven eleven, and his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Same idea as what Mary is doing in Luke two nineteen. Jacob even rebuked his son. He said, Joseph, really, are you kidding? You've got to be kidding that I'm going to bow down to you and your mother and your brothers? I mean, you're the youngest, except for Benjamin, you're the youngest of the kids in the family. This is a ridiculous idea. It's beyond comprehension that this would happen since since Israel or Jacob was the patriarch of the family. But we know that, in fact, this did happen years later, didn't it? When, when uh, Joseph was second or third you know, in command in Egypt, and he was in charge of all the food distribution during the famine. And so yet Jacob, even though he rebuked his son, he kept the matter in mind. I think he wondered, does this portend some very ominous thing for our family's future, some significant event for us? And what he did was he, and this is the idea, he filed it away in his mental filing cabinet and he thought about it so that more than 30 years later, he would, well, not not it was, it was actually less than 30 years later because Joseph was getting up to it in his 30s, but say it was 15 years later when he realized that this had actually come to pass. Now, if Jacob had known that these dreams that his son had were actually divine dreams, prophecies of what was going to occur put yourself in his position now this would have helped you or him through the grief that as you know it was falsely presented to him that your son has been eaten up by an animal if he had known that this was a divine promise that this was going to occur in the future he would not have grieved as hard as he grieved about his son because he would have known no that must not be the case there must be some mistake we are, we are going to have this event occur in our family's life where Joseph is going to have rise to prominence, and that hasn't happened yet. So that would help Jacob through that time of grief. He would have been able to trust that Joseph actually was alive somehow and that he would be exalted over his brothers and even over his parents. Luke uh, also has another mention of the same idea in Luke one sixty six. Now, this is in the previous chapter, and it's not about Jesus. It's actually about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, was uh, his birth was predicted, very special kind of birth. His parents were very old. They weren't expected to have children. They had a boy. And everybody was shocked that this happened. And then they, they said, now, when it came time to name the child, his mother and father named him John. Well, that was odd because there was no John in their family. And so they, what is going on with this? You know, what's, what's, what's happening? In Luke one sixty six, it says, all those who heard these things kept them in their hearts, saying, what kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. So John was circumcised in, in the eighth day as the practice of the Jews. And on that day is when the official name was given to the to the baby boy. Uh, They apparently didn't do that as soon as the child was born, but uh, they gave the name at that point in time when there was the circumcision of the child. And the people were amazed at this selection of the name. And everybody shared this information around the whole region. Uh, They shared this information widely. And they wondered, what kind of person would this John be, this little baby, and, of course, it would take about 30 years for them to find out just exactly what it was all about. And so in 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 this case, also, they stored away this information in their hearts. They were thinking about, what is God doing in this situation? We need to do the same. In Luke 2.19, where the Scripture says, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I'm not really picking out Mary here as as uh, the most important person in in all the world. She's not. She was blessed by God to be used in this way as a a vehicle to bring uh, his son into the world. But the idea, the focus here is on her humble and holy thinking on these kinds of matters. Um, Think of what she was thinking about. Would you think with me about it? I mean, she's been visited by an angel. Can you imagine being visited by an angel? You're going to have a baby. I can't have a baby. I'm not married. Oh, well, you're going to have a baby anyway. <laughs> this is a special condition. Uh, the special circumstances around John the Baptist's birth, not her own son's birth, but John the Baptist, that was her cousin Elizabeth who was old and was having a baby. And it's shocking. And then the interaction with Joseph and all of this. I mean, they were betrothed. Joseph thought he, she had been unfaithful. He was going to divorce her. Uh, and, and then an angel came and talked to him and told him, no, that's not the, the way it's got to be. You've got to take her to be your, your wife, and you've got to protect this child, and you've got to provide for them and, and lead this family. Then they had to go to Bethlehem. Can you imagine if you're a new mom? Oh, well, you're a pregnant mom. Sorry, you're not a new mom yet. You're a pregnant mom, first time. And you have to go to a faraway place for a government-mandated census, taxation, whatever it was. And so they had to do that. And maybe she knew Micah 5.2 that said, out of Bethlehem will arise this ruler of Judah. Maybe she did not understand the prophecy, but she knew enough that she had to move to Bethlehem while she's pregnant and she had the birth. And then the shepherds come and they extol the baby and, the mother and then the public receives this news and everybody's going crazy about what's going on here and john the baptist and then this and just a few months later and in a short while after that there was the star and there was the wise men and and mary is like a almost she's 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 a player on the field but she's like a spectator in a sense too she's just got to be sitting there thinking what, what's going on this is very strange And she stores up all this information. In fact, let me share with you a couple of other things that she uh, knew about. And maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. But Mary said uh, when she uh, found out that Elizabeth was pregnant, she visited with Elizabeth. She said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Listen to that. She knew that the child she would bear would be her Savior, she knew that she needed a Savior. She knew that she was a sinner and that like every other human being, she needed to be saved from her sin. And she knew that God was sending this son of his to die in our place. For he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. Behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Well, maybe she didn't understand all about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but she knew that he was going to be the Savior, however that was going to work out. And she knew that God was merciful and holy. And he has shown strength with his arm and scattered the proud and put down the mighty. And, and then at the end of that, she said in verses 54, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. And so the Abrahamic promises were all bundled up into this little baby that was there before her that she had borne into the world and she pondered all these things and she stored them up in her heart. And she stored them up for 33 years later and she kept storing them up and she kept storing them up. The second episode in the youth of Jesus where this is mentioned is in Luke 2, 52. And you remember Jesus goes with his family every year to the, to the temple to sacrifice. And one time when he's 12 years old, he goes, but he stays behind. And he's there with the experts of the law, the, the scribes and the priests, and he's talking back and forth with them for two or three days. And they're amazed at his answers and his, his understanding of the, of the word of God and, and holiness and, and all of that. And, of course, at the same time that that's all happening, his mother and father are frantically trying to find him because they've just lost the son whom they were charged to keep. You know, Joseph must have just been like out of his brain because, you know, he's the one who's supposed to take that son to Egypt to prevent him from, from dying. Now he's left him behind. He, doesn't keep tra- he hasn't kept track of him. So they go back and they find him and uh, speak to him about these matters. And he went down and uh, came to Nazareth. But, but as, as Mary came upon the scene and she saw him interacting with the Scribes and the Pharisees and the priests, <laughs> she stored that up in her heart. She thought about that. She thought about that. They were They were careful to put it into their minds and into their hearts. They saw the behavior of their son. Think of it. Never once a sin. Never once a cross word with his parents. Never once, no, mama. She saw his wisdom, how, how others responded to him, that he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and men. She put these things close into her heart. She put them in long-term storage. She pondered them. She mulled them over, what they might mean for the near and the far term. She cared about them. Notice that she was not just letting these events just kind of pass by, go in one ear and out the other ear, just observing them and not caring about them. She did care. And I'm urging you tonight, you have got to care about these things like Mary did. Jesus was born into the world for a reason. He was born to die for your sins and for mine. This is very clear in the Scriptures, and if you don't know that, then you've missed the whole message of the Bible. You've missed the whole message of Christianity. You've missed the only message that can save your soul from sin and put you on the narrow path to heaven. You must care about these things. Now, there's mental work here. There's hard work. There's heart work. But this Christmas, I'm asking you to make sure that this is what you're doing, storing these things away in your heart. When you lie down to sleep tonight, don't just think about Christmas decorations and cookies and gifts and all of that. Keep these things in your heart. Put them back in your heart again. Do not allow them to leave your heart, your innermost being. Don't ignore them. Don't let them gather brain dust. You know what I'm saying? This is so important. Review them, cherish them, share them with others. Wonder at the marvel of the incarnation of God into humanity. Mike was alluding to this earlier. Can you imagine that the infinite Almighty God came and dwelt with mankind in a human body. Is anything impossible for God? Anything in, that's consistent with His nature is possible. Of course, He cannot sin. You know, and some of those nonsensical things that people bring to you, like, can God bring? You know, make a rock so big that He can't lift it? I mean, that's a nonsense but he came in humanity. Think of what that brings to us, not only in terms of salvation, but also in terms of joy and a reason for living and just plain old information about God. You want to know what God is like? Open your Bible and read about Jesus, and you'll know exactly what God is like. You'll know how he, like we was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he loved the little children and wanted them to be brought to him and blessed them. And he was concerned about... His disciples and wanted to keep them so that they would not be lost. And those all those kinds of things, of course, you see His meek and humble character and His love and His concern for others and His going out to serve them and so on. You know about God because you can see about Jesus. But there's one kind of sad note to all this, temporary, temporary as it is, but I, I, I wonder how Mary... How Mary was sustained through the time when she was sitting, standing there next to the cross. I mean, it's hard enough to imagine losing one of your children just in a normal course of life, you know, an accident or a sickness or, or a depression or something like that. But this, her son... The fact that she stored these things away in her heart gave her hope because she could know, like I speculated about Jacob, that he could have been comforted about his son Joseph, that Joseph had not been eaten up by an animal. Similarly with Mary, she could have been comforted by the knowledge when when the angel came to her and said, your son will rule on the throne of his father David forever. So she knew that when he was hanging upon that cross, it could not be the end because she had stored up these promises in her heart. You know, we encourage ourselves to do the same thing in view of persecution, temptations, trials, even the end of our lives. You store up the promises of God's word in your heart, and that is going to carry you through those difficulties because you know what's coming. You know it's not the end, if you will. How would would it feel to know that your son was literally perfect? You know how we say, oh, my children, they're perfect, you know. No, they're not perfect. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) literally, this son was perfect. Uh, Yet he was hung upon a cross. He was mocked by the soldiers and the crowds. You know, we're not talking about the naively biased feelings of a mother who thinks, oh, my son can do no wrong. No, he actually did no wrong. He was not a secret reprobate that had been found out to have committed some terrible crime. No, he was perfect. Indeed, a sword pierced through her soul as she saw him hanging there upon a cross. According to the cryptic prophecy of Simeon, eight days, no, it wasn't eight days, it was 40 days after the baby was born. She went into the temple to complete the purification ritual that the Jews had. So she was remembering 33 years earlier the sword that was promised to pierce through her own heart because she stored that up in her heart. But she knew that certain promises had to be fulfilled because the angel told her she knew others from the Old Testament because she was a faithful Jewish young lady. She had studied the word. She was in the synagogue. She listened and paid attention to her family and the teachings of the, the great Jewish rabbis at the time. And she knew that the death on the cross could not be the end. She knew that he would save, listen to this, Matthew one twenty one. he would save his people from their sins. She might not have understood exactly how he would do that, but in fact it turned out that as he hung upon that cross, he was saving his people from their sins. He, He was called the son of the highest and he would be great, the son of God. He would sit on the throne of his father David. He would reign forever and his kingdom would never end. She also knew that he was the one connected to the fulfillment of the Abrahamic promises as indicated in her Magnificat, as we read just earlier. So we know that Mary thought diligently about the first Christmas, about the first Christmas. The Bible tells us that his name was called Jesus because he would save people from their sin. We later find out by reading the Scriptures that if we call upon the name of the Lord, we would be saved we would have an experience in our life which is so radical that it's like birth. When we're born physically, it's a great change, isn't it? From, well, from nothing, really, to a person. From being in the womb to being out of the womb. But for a rebirth, that is a second birth, a Christian birth, it's like coming out of the spiritual dead and being brought into spiritual life. And the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. And that is what the gospel message is all about. But it all starts back in Bethlehem. It starts back there with the announcement of the birth of the Son of God. It starts back there with Mary taking all of this and putting it into her mind, storing it away in her mental filing cabinet, accessing it frequently, thinking about these things, being diligent about her thoughts of the first Christmas. What do you think of Christmas? What are your thoughts about Christmas? Are you thinking about it? The real Christmas? I'm not talking about the commercial Christmas. That's a whole different story. This one, the one about Jesus. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fixate our thoughts upon the Lord Jesus Christ, upon his birth, upon his work, upon his leaving of this place to go to heaven, then only to come back in some time in the future when we look forward to him coming. Oh Lord, we ask, would you bless us with the same mindset of the crowds who saw about John the Baptist and they put those things in their hearts? Or Mary, when the Lord Jesus was born and And saw the shepherds come and wondered in her heart about these matters. Or 12 years later when they picked up Jesus from Jerusalem and she stored all these things in her heart. Lord, may we do that as well this night, this weekend, this day, so that we would be people who take seriously what you have said to us and the history that has been uh, given to us. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.